I'm Meg Dahl, your Unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. Hello, ladies, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. Now, today's episode is information packed, so I'm going to keep this intro on the shorter side, but I do want to just introduce you to our guest today and kind of give you some updates that are very relevant to this show. So in today's episode, I sit down with Dr. Alex Golden and Megan Blacksmith. Now they go by Alex and Megan over at Zesty Ginger. So you might follow them over there. I was recently on their podcast, the four phase cycle podcast talking about how I overcame hypothalamic amenorrhea after 12 years. Now, I already spoke about that on this show, but it was really nice to be sitting down and being interviewed by Alex all about my personal journey and how I overcame HA and now have like balanced my hormones. Of course, there's always... Um, hormone balancing to do, right? But that's kind of what I wanted to talk about before we actually queued over to today's episode with Alex and Megan. So I have had four periods now ever since I got my first one back in August. So yay, that's super exciting and something definitely to celebrate. And I honestly celebrate it every single day. Even if I'm not on my period, I'm always like so grateful that my body feels safe enough and healthy enough and happy enough to have a period again. And whenever my period comes and I have like cramping and my lower back always gets pretty sore, I love it. And I just welcome it in. It's like the best feeling ever because I just feel like so alive. (laughs) So here's my reminder to all of you beautiful women, because I know so many of you who listen to the show also struggle with irregular periods or missing periods, completely absent periods. And I just want to remind you that you are already healed, that healed version of yourself is within you and really hold on to that and believe that and trust your body that it is going to also get to this place where you are having regular periods again. You can self-heal. I'm proof after 12 years of not having a period. So please, please, please just be patient and loving with your body and your period will absolutely come. So in today's episode with Alex and Megan, we actually go through 
all four phases of the cycle. And I love how they break it down super easy and teach women how to support and work with their bodies throughout their menstrual cycles. So the all the four phases, it's really beautiful and it brings us home to our bodies and really like working with that inner wisdom that we all have, which is what I do on a daily basis with all of the women that I work with. So of course, Megan and Alex had to join me in today's episode. You ladies are absolutely going to love this. Give them a follow over on Instagram. They have an amazing hormone program as well, teaching you all about the four phases of your cycle, how to work with them. But this podcast episode gives you a lot of good information a great place to start when you're starting to work with your hormones and with your body. So let's cut over to the episode now and you're going to absolutely love it. Happy hormones. Hey ladies, welcome to the show. I have been waiting months to have you on the show. So it's really exciting that I'm sitting down with you today. Yay! Yes, thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. So I have talked quite a bit about you two on Instagram, social media, and even on the podcast before. So I feel like the ladies here joining us today are going to be quite familiar with your work, but I thought it would be fun if they heard from each of you, if you want to just introduce yourself to us. Sure, absolutely. So I am Megan. I am the redheaded ginger one. <laughs> and um, so Alex and I found each other actually from Instagram about five years ago now. And hit it off amazingly well. So the reason I got into the whole field of holistic health and I'm a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and holistic health coach was because I had, um, my older daughter who's eight after I had her, I like to say I fell off the hormone cliff. It just went deep, deep, deep down really quickly and started to have a ton of symptoms and things I'd never experienced before. Um, extreme anxiety, extreme fatigue, like really extreme fatigue. Didn't even want to brush my teeth. Didn't want to, was going to do anything I could to get out of my corporate job. And it just really spiraled. So that was when I ended up finding that there was this whole world of functional lab work and holistic nutrition and ways to support yourself that, um, when I had gone to my doctor and said, I don't think some, something's wrong. And all my regular blood work said, you're perfect. And I wasn't overweight. And he, he really just sent me away and just didn't know what to do with me. And that was really defeating because I didn't feel perfect at all. I felt absolutely miserable in ways I'd never felt before. So to finally see on paper when I went to a, a clinical nutritionist to see my Dutch test and see my neurotransmitter test and be able to see that my hormones and my brain chemistry and my gut flora were just totally messed up, but they also lined up with it exactly the way I felt. So it was a huge relief. It was like, okay, there's actual things here to address. And we went one by one just through. And now Alex and I came together to basically teach this process that we learned that we both learned the hard way. And we have now created a format that's in our, our group program. Well, I have a very similar story, except for mine is on 
closer to the infertility sort of stuff. No, no baby hormone clip, but I definitely had a med school hormone clip. So I was um, 18. I just turned 18 when I started having pelvic, really severe pelvic pain. I went to multiple, multiple, multiple doctors who all said the same thing. You are fine and healthy and not overweight. Your labs are fine, which of course, you know, we're going to skip to um, that, <laughs> the like moral of the story, which is you can't find something that you're not looking for, um, which of course was the missing piece for me, but it was told I was totally fine. You know, years went on. I uh, struggled a lot with what I believe to be endometriosis. And then after a couple of years of that kind of being undiagnosed and ongoing, um, it spread to what's known as central pain syndrome. And I started having really diffuse pain all over. It's pretty much at that point when I said, there's got to be someone that can do a better job than is happening right now. And I decided to go to med school and was like, well, no one else is going to do it. It'll just have to be me. Um, which, you know, of course, Sagittarius life, <laughs> that's just part of the course. And, uh, and so that was pretty much off. But unfortunately, that wasn't the end for me. Like I still at that point didn't get diagnosed for a really long time. It wasn't until I was 27 and going into early menopause when they said, oops, um, you've had undiagnosed endometriosis this whole time. You've had a lot of ovarian damage. And if you don't have kids in the next six months, and that's probably going to be it for you. So I did three rounds of IVF. <laughs> when I said that, my cat just turned and looked at me like, what? That's crazy. It was crazy. Um, the, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I did three rounds of IVF, which didn't work. And then pretty much that was luckily Megan and I had already been working together. And even within everything that we were doing, we were kind of like, wait, there's people falling through the cracks. Like there's, people who get better and there's people who don't and what's happening. And that really made us dig a lot deeper and has really become the basis of what became our four phase cycle approach and the bulk of what we do in terms of working with your body. And then a lot of what you and um, we, the three of us really jive with, which is like actually approaching your body with love and compassion and all of that, that goes into it. But yes, that was my story. And that's what really was my rock bottom that kicked off all this stuff. And then it's been a really beautiful period, you know, years of recovery where I'm like getting back to feeling like my regular self, my ovarian function has improved. I'm not going into menopause. Hallelujah. And <laughs> I have regular cycles now. So um, yeah, that was me. Amazing. And honestly, I could dive into each of your stories and ask like a million questions each. But I know we have a lot to talk about today. And what I am going to pull out from each of your stories is how you really turned your own personal struggles into how you have helped yourselves, but also now help like hundreds, thousands of women through your social media, but also you have this amazing group program as well. But I know just all three of us being on Instagram, social media, we're always pouring like free content into the women that come and join us there. And I know the ladies that follow you over there are just always learning so much about their hormones and their health and how they can actually work with their bodies. And I really love how both of you are really focused on working with your bodies rather than approaching them as something to fix. 
So I really want to dive into that four phase approach that you mentioned, Alex. Um, But one thing that I do really want to point out first is hormones and understanding the whole cycle can be so confusing, but I love how you broke it down into these four phases. So if you want to just kind of introduce that to everyone, that would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So And we're, you know, we're even in the process of refining this because the funny thing is, is that we, well, it's not actually funny, but we really should have learned this about ourselves when we got the talk in middle school about like you have a period and there's something called sex and blah, 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 all that, right? What we got was something totally ridiculous and unhelpful. And Megan has this great analogy where it's kind of like waking up and her memory's been wiped and you um you get up and you have all these like amazing things with electricity and cars and everything but you don't know how to use any of it so you just walk around in the dark and you eat cold food and you know and then later you realize oh my gosh you had a ferrari parked in your driveway this whole time and you've been kind of walking everywhere so (laughs) this is the type of experience that we tend to have where it's like we have these ferraris at our disposal but no one's ever told us how to use them and we don't even though there's inherently something happening under the surface if we don't identify it relate to it and utilize it to our advantage then it's just like keeping that Ferrari parked in your driveway, not using your oven, not using your lights and just kind of stumbling through life. So that's what we're really hoping to give women and why we feel so strongly that, you know, if we help each woman at a time, they raise daughters who understand this and the world changes over time. So that's really the the quick and dirty. But basically, there's two main events to your cycle. There's your period, if you have one, and ovulation, if you ovulate. So the way that I like to envision it is like a period (laughs) ovulation sandwich, right? So there's a period on one side, there's ovulation about two weeks later, and another period about two weeks later on the other side, right? The ovulation sandwich. The first period to ovulation is the first half of your cycle. And this is when we are, our bodies are working on setting up successful ovulation. What we can do during this time of our cycle is help lower, for example, inflammation, which is the most common reason that women don't ovulate, although there are multiple, and we'll talk about that too, especially when Meg comes on our <laughs> podcast. But that this whole time is crucial for setting up ovulation. And the key about ovulation to understand is that if we don't ovulate, we don't make progesterone. And then the second half of the cycle is filled with PMS. And then the next cycle is filled with heavy cramps and all sorts of problems. So you have to understand that this, the, the way you start this cycle will impact the rest of the cycle and the next. So for the most part, because inflammation is the most common reason women don't ovulate, we have women in this first half of the cycle focus on 
inflammation control. And in a very small percentage of the population, some women actually can't mount enough of an inflammatory response. And for that, you know, that's why we say optimizing inflammation rather than flat out lowering, because that's not true for absolutely everyone in the world. So this first half of the cycle split up into phases one and two. And we'll, we'll talk about why that's important, especially for your brain um, as we go. But basically, between your period and ovulation is you would equally split up phases one and two. And I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast don't necessarily have a period in ovulation. Stick with me because we're going to talk about what to do if you don't have one. But it's still important to understand how it should work so that when you flip into your own native cycle, you then know how to respond and do it appropriately. Right. So phases one or two are split up between this, you know, the start of your period to ovulation, if you have it from ovulation until your following period is the second half of the cycle and phases three and four are split up equally between there. This is if or hopefully if we're trying to ovulate or if we have ovulated, then we have hormones to get rid of in the second half of the cycle. That's things like estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, but a lot more goes into it. And of course, with our world, hormone mimicking substances also play a role. If you don't ovulate though, then you're kind of obligatorily estrogen dominant. So when when women don't ovulate the second half of the cycle and helping your body get rid of excess hormones to correct that imbalance ends up being super duper important. And so that the way that we have it currently, um, kind of like as as I help you uncover your own cycle, this first half, we focus on optimizing inflammation. And in the second half after ovulation, we focus on optimizing and supporting detoxification. All right. So that is the basis. Now, here's the thing. If you don't have a cycle and many of you don't, or if you're not ovulating and and here's the really wacky part is that you can have a regular cycle and not be ovulating, which you can't see me. I'm raising my hand. This was me. This is how I got duped into thinking I was ovulating. But I really, you know, just because you have a regular cycle doesn't mean you're ovulating. So if one or two of those don't exist, you know, we have, especially with no period, we have women follow the moon. And that's because the cycle of the moon at 28 and a half days is as close to a cyclical, you know, external event as we get. And so we have our ladies who don't have a cycle follow the moon. So basically the start of your period is the same as the new moon, then ovulation is the same as the full moon. And so when women, for example, when I was doing IVF and I was swapping back and forth between my own cycles and then IVF and birth control regulated cycles, I would swap between when I didn't have one, I would go by the moon. And then once I got my own cycle back, I would flip and go to mine. So this is by no means a static thing, but it's our attempt to remind women that there is a native month-long cycle going on that we haven't been told about. And when we focus on having our bodies do something else other than what it's already working on, we're basically splitting our energies and we're not allowing ourselves to to work with 
the wisdom of our bodies. And so that's why we always bring it back to this experience of feeling empowered and in control of your body. So that's why, you know, we've set up these phases. So does that set it up pretty well, Meg? Oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I really like how you touched on even if you're not currently getting a period, because all three of us here know that a large percentage of the women listening to this podcast do have amenorrhea or really like irregular cycles. But even though that's the case, it is so important to actually know what's happening within the woman's body um, if she was having her cycle regularly. Because for me, getting my period back, um, I had to like get to know my body better. And I kind of like acted as though I was going through that regular cycle. And I believe that mindset shift and living in that type of life really allowed me to bring it back into my life as well. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Well, and we've actually been there when we, when that happened, um, when I've gone back and forth between Naha, especially as my ovulation went away and my ovarian function got worse and worse. But, you know, one thing that we see with, um, now that I'm actually working for the Dutch test and I'm one of their consultants. And one thing I see over and over, especially with amenorrhea is that many of these women are actually trying to ovulate in their bodies is doing half the work about, or even more, but it just doesn't either get up to ovulation or it's a very feeble underdeveloped follicle. And so what we see is that if you're paying attention to what's happening, a lot of times, even if we women don't have a cycle and we're going through this now with the women, the new women that we just started our new program, uh, program group with, um, a lot of them have the signal for ovulation. So once they, once they started checking, they were like, Oh wow, I do have this native cycle still working underneath it. It's not enough for me to have a period and it's not enough for me to ovulate, but it's certainly enough to impact how they feel on a daily basis. And that's where when you can really start to understand you're actually probably have more available to you than you think when you stop and not only pay attention to that one event, that's a period, but also think of the whole event throughout as in like the event is the entire month long cycle. And one thing that we found a lot is that when women cycle with the moon, a lot of times their site, their actual period will return in relation to the moon. Like I kind of kicked mine off with the moon and then went to my own cycle and then stayed with the moon. And so it's very interesting to see how when we encourage our bodies, all we're doing is augmenting what it's already doing. And if your body is just on the verge of ovulating and you help it out, all of a sudden, bam, there you go. And your whole cycle starts working again. So a lot of times it's less work than women think. And that's the main point that we want to get across is that a lot of women are doing way too much stuff to try to push it and it's less pushing and more supporting what the body's already doing. But you can't do that until you actually know what it is. Oh my gosh. Amazing. So can we talk about that? Can we yes. talk about how we can actually begin supporting our bodies rather than pushing it? 
Yes. So I'll dig in here, Meg. So what we love to have our ladies start with, and we've Meg, it's been really cool just to see like we do a week long challenge and just have people kind of do some different things to support different phases of the cycle in that week long challenge alone. And they're adding things like elixirs or cruciferous veggies that can be really supportive of removing excess estrogen or excess hormones from the body. And just in one week, we've had them say, oh, my gosh, I got my period back or oh, my gosh, I, I didn't have cramps or I didn't have something this month. And that actually still blows my mind because it it is a process and we usually see more of a, at least a 30, 60, 90 day, right? Because each, you can be improving, but it does, it does take a little time for everything to catch up. But so just in that short period of time, it's really cool to see the power of foods, which is really where we like to start with most people. And the reason I love the idea of using my cycle, because for some people, I think it sounds like, oh, no, now there's more to do. Now I have to pay attention to these four weeks of the month and where I am. But really, if we just want to break it down into halves, it becomes really simple. Because for those of us who love health stuff, we're always seeking new information. It becomes overwhelming. There's like, oh, you know, there's 10,000 tools I could use and elixirs and, and a dry skin brush, right? So we use... I use an app, something like MyFlow. Once you've figured out when you're ovulating, it's really important to do that once through. Um, take your basal body temperature or use LH strips, but for at least a cycle or two, find out when you're ovulating, if you're ovulating. And once you have a good idea of that, then something like um, an app on your phone is going to be enough because you, you have a general idea of, of your cycle. But when I see that app pop up like, oh, hello, Megan, it's ovulation time. <laughs> I'm like, thank you, app. I take that as a reminder. Okay, we're moving into the second half of the cycle. This is when we focus on detoxification. And then I say, all right, what have I not done in a while? And I will now add in a detoxification elixir or I will get out my dry skin brush. It's a reminder of adding one to two where like if you can just add one to two things every week instead of being like, oh gosh, I fell off that habit forever and now I should just throw my hands up. It's just... It's every month you get another chance to do it again. Every month it comes back around. And I think that for me, this really helps minimize the overwhelm and the stress that comes with doing everything. So that's why we love this cycle. So as far as some actual take-home ideas, because that's what we like people to leave with, like write down, if everyone could write down one to two things they're going to do in the first half, one to two things they're going to do in the second half in their next cycle, or if you haven't figured it out yet, the very first thing would be to start tracking. But once you have um, that first half, we're going for inflammation, lowering inflammation for most people, optimizing inf inflammation. So some really simple keys here are to... Um, we're going to be limiting foods that cause inflammation. So these are sugar, processed snacks... Um, you know, these are all your your chips and your muffins and your breads and your your snacky foods, anything that's in a box. So we're going to be really looking at what's coming in because you'll notice that this will fuel your next cycle and the end of your cycle. And when cramps go away, you'll it will all be it's all worth it at that point. So you're minimizing that kind of thing. We'll see a lot of um, even some healthier snacks that might just be like sweet potato chips. A lot of times they're using a lot of like um, canola oil or sunflower, safflower. So we're, we're getting away from that and we're moving to eating the rainbow, right? Like as many colorful fruits and veggies on every plate, 
Uh, my kids know that they have to have a cruciferous veggie, but we'll get to that in the second half. But just you know, really mixing up the plate is um, where we start with people when it comes to their actual plate. And then what we love to do is use things like teas. And when I say elixirs, this can be just things you add to your water that you're already drinking that are helping these process. So nettle tea is um, filled with minerals, super supportive in the first half of the cycle, super supportive for overall adrenal health, because the majority of the women we work with, they are in a constant state of fight or flight. Their body believes they're under attack, whether it's from an actual uh, mental, emotional stressor or an internal stressor. This could be something like a food sensitivity they're not aware of, um, a gut infection, heavy metals. It could be all sorts of different things. But in general, they're on their screens late at night. Their body thinks they're, you know, they're, they're in this crazy um, show that they're watching, right? Experiencing it. And um, we're, we're in a high state of stress and we're very much putting a lot, a lot of pressure on our adrenal glands. It pumps out our cortisol. So anything that can support that and be calming to that, like the nettle tea, um, that's another thing that we've had people add um, just in the challenge. And, and we've gotten amazing feedback with um, you know their joints not hurting. So there's just really simple things we can do. Um, and then another thing for the first half of the phase would be you know something like vitamin C, um, eating foods rich in vitamin C, but also maybe something like a liposomal vitamin C. We really like the seeking health one, but just kind of going... Focusing on how can I bring down um, inflammation? How can I support the body in the first half? And then as we switch into the second half of the cycle, this is when um, we really go more heavily on the detoxification support. So detox, your body's detoxing every day naturally. This is not like a fad or a thing to do. It's, it's you know, if you're, if you're breathing, if you're pooping, if you're peeing, if you're sweating, you're detoxing, right? But we just want to support what the body's already doing. And also, we want to bring out the excess. A lot of the time, the second half of the cycle, this is when there's a lot of excess estrogen for people who have um, more estrogen than their progesterone. And that's one of the main reasons for the PS PMS symptoms we people deal with. And then this is also a time where um, if you have xenoestrogen, so let's say chemicals and things in your environment, things that come from plastics and skincare, then that can be messing up with your natural estrogen. So we need to be helping the body get rid of these. So for, from a food standpoint, that's where the cruciferous veggies. So these are like your broccoli, your Brussels sprouts, your cabbage, your kale, arugula, asparagus, um, that kind of thing. Broccoli sprouts being at the, actually at the top of the list. These are helping your body naturally detox out these excess estrogen and everything else. But Meg, we've seen some really cool things because we use the Dutch test. So the dried urine test for comprehensive hormones and we'll test people's estrogen and then it shows on the test not only how much estrogen you have, but how you're metabolizing it out of the body. So are you sending it down the safe pathway? Are you sending it down a, a protective pathway? Or are you sending it down a more cancerous pathway or in between, right? We've had people just didn't want to take supplements. And all they really were willing to do was food-based things. We went cruciferous veggies every day. And we saw a huge shift from the cancerous pathway to the protective pathway. And as much as we want to see a shift on lab results, that's amazing. We also want to see shift in symptoms. And it was a complete game changer for this woman of just not having all the um, 
she was having really heavy cramping, heavy periods, and um, acne was another was another complaint of hers. So food, that's why we really love yeah. to go food based in that second half. Wow, that's absolutely incredible. Food really is so powerful yeah. and all of us know that. Um, so I'm curious, we kind of flowed through that first half and the second half. And Megan, you said that you really encourage women to choose like one or two things to optimize inflammation and then support the body in the natural detoxing process. So I would like to hear from both you and Alex, if you could share like your favorite thing that you personally do during the first half of your cycle and then your favorite thing about the second half. I would love to know your personal favorites. Great question, Meg. Um, You want to start, Alex? Sure. Yeah. Oh, man, Meg, that's hard because (laughs) Megan and I, we I think it's because we're both people who don't end up doing every don't like doing something all the time. Like we're just not good at sticking with things. That's why we, we always hated the experience of like, oh, I fell off the wagon. But it's like. In, in this system, there's like no such thing as falling off the wagon. There's no wagon to fall off of. But so anything is good. I think one of my most favorite things is honestly tart cherry concentrate, probably because of my chronic pain syndrome. I tend to, especially when it flares, I tend to run towards high inflammation in my body. And so I really respond to things that lower inflammation and also. Um, for me, my, my body sees the chronic pain as a stressor in the form of like ovulation is always optional. It's like growing hair and nails. And so when there's uncontrolled pain, then my body says, now's not a good time to get pregnant and then I won't ovulate. And so even when I'm in the throes of a flare, I, when I focus on interrupting that signal it's amazing how much my body is like okay i see what you're telling me like this is going on but we're blunting the damage of that uncontrolled response and then it keeps me on track with my cycle because usually what used to happen to me all the time was that i would have a pain flare and then i'd have two periods back to back because I wouldn't ovulate. So then I would just have two periods in the same month. And so I really found that if I just consistently add tart cherry concentrate in the beginning of my cycle, that that then wouldn't happen. And so that's been really great feedback for me to understand my body enough. Like I didn't have this insight until I did those exact steps to figure that out. And now that I know that I'm just like, Oh, I can see how I use this and why it works. So that is my favorite for the first half. Um, I guess I should just keep going for the elixir. Cause like my, I think one of my staples is always just having an elixir on hand cause the concentrates store really well. So I always have a tart cherry concentrate and then a cranberry concentrate for, um, for the second half. Cause like I said, I'm prone to not ovulate, especially from my right ovary, which had more damage from endometriosis. And so those months I'm more prone to have issues. And so If I don't ovulate, then I really want to, well, either way, even if I do, I want to head off 
estrogen building up and causing issues in my body. And so I always have cranberry concentrate on hand. Um, and so those are two, I would have to say are probably the basis that I have all, cause I'm drinking water anyways. It's just as easy to put a tablespoon of something in there. Um, and then from there, I will play around with now that the water is sweet and tastes good, how, you know, can I play around with like adding milk thistle to that same elixir in the second half or chlorophyll, liquid chlorophyll or anything like that. So those are mine. How about you, Meg? I, since you stole the elixirs, Alex, <laughs> also my favorite. No. So, um, for the first half of the cycle using cold therapy, so either putting ice in a bath or going to something like cryotherapy, if you have that kind of place around or a little, even a little more simpler would just be do, taking a cold shower. Right. But that cold, um, using the cold therapy is really, really helpful, helpful for inflammation. And so that's a great time to do it when I focus on the first half of my cycle. And then in the second half, I would say that I have an inexpensive one and an expensive one. So, you know, as far as home detox tools, my favorite favorite is that I now have a sauna, but that was, um, that was many, many years, you know, to get to that point. So for those of you who don't yet have a sauna in your home, because of course, that's a fabulous way to be sweating out. It's an infrared sauna. I'm like sweating out from the inside out. And I do it every single day, except during my period. And it's, um, of course, like Alex and I have said, a lot of people will say, is it okay if I do um, the cranberry concentrate in the first half of the cycle? It's not that you can't do these things all the time. It's just that there's a time in your cycle where you're going to get the most out of it. So for me, it's easier for my schedule and for me to stay consistent to do the sauna every day versus just the second half. But when um, before the sauna, I still use this, but before I get into the sauna, I'll use my dry skin brush. And I think that's a really good starter tool for people who haven't gotten into kind of the daily detox tools. And from ovulation to your next period would be a fabulous time where you're like actually brushing your skin. You can get them for really inexpensive, not that, you know, and, um, you're moving the lymphatic system. You're moving the whole drainage system of the body. You're helping the circulation. You know, your, your lymphatic system doesn't have a heart to pump it around like your blood, right? So we have our move. It relies on our movement. And many of us are sitting at desks or in the car or, you know, just sitting all day. So, um, the, I'd say the dry skin brush is one of my favorites. Oh, I like that too. And I really just need to point out how much I appreciate you saying like um, how it's not a bad thing to do like cranberry juice during the first half of your cycle, because I think when women hear, okay, tart cherry juice, first half, cranberry juice, second half, they start thinking that like, it's not good to do these things in other times during their cycle. And what we're saying here is it's just more beneficial to do these things like during the first half or the second half. So I'm really happy that you point that, yes. pointed that out. Well, and can we segue real quick? <laughs> just This is an important one. I know that you, I'm like sensing that you were going to take it this way anyways. Tell me if I'm wrong. But um Part of what we're really about is that society has really taught us to 
not only not understand what's happening inside our bodies and therefore not know how to feel empowered impacting them in the right way, but it's also set up where because we go to practitioners who are like, you're fine, your labs are fine, we are left to feel not only disempowered, but also questioning ourselves whether we're having the experience that we are having and whether we really should be having it. And so what we've done is take, we've taken the power away from women where we, when we see that it's like another thing to cross off our list or potentially mess up where we're like, Oh no, I was doing it in the wrong half. Now I've messed that all up. And what we always want to take it back to is we are simply giving you the framework, but like the ball is always back in your court. And that's what we want. We want women to say, this is what works for me. And like Megan was saying, there are ways that her and I deviate from, but you know, for me, inflammation is a really big deal. And I work on it in other ways in the second half. And Megan, you know, has been detoxing and dealing with mold for the last couple of years. So for her, Asana every day makes sense. So like, we always want to bring it back to your own internal wisdom. And you having the experience where you take knowledge that you're given, that you sit back, find your center, Check in with yourself if that sounds like something that you're into or not. A lot of times our bodies will be like, oh, no, don't do that. Like, I know cryotherapy would be helpful for me from like an intellectual standpoint. For whatever reason, I don't want to do cryotherapy regularly. I'd rather do, I do contrast showers or cold showers, right? And I don't know why, but my body right now is like, that's not my thing. And I don't even understand why. And I'd like to but I don't need to. And that's one thing that's really important to always, all of us need to check in and say, does this sound good to me? Does it jive with me? And if so, how can I listen and then learn? Because what we want is not that you're like, well, gosh, that just puts like, now it's up to me. And what if I decide wrong? And you know, blah, blah, blah. But really what it is is that we want you to have your own short-term little loop where you have you learn something, you feel an internal impulse to say, that sounds good. I want to do that. And then you do. And then you see for yourself the effects that it has. Or, you know, alternatively, there's things around like my body's like, oh, don't do it, Alex. And then I do it anyways, because someone told me to do and something happens either good or bad. And then I take that knowledge and I feel the confidence in myself to say, I figured it out. I you know, took, like, I listened to myself, I took the steps, and I got some sort of answer that moves me forward. So what I'm really getting at is that we want you to stop thinking in terms of right or wrong, or what someone said or didn't say, or am I doing this right? Like, yes, there's stuff to learn, but we always, always want to take take it back to alignment with yourself and listening to your own body. Mm-hmm. 
beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And honestly, I feel like I could chat with you girls for another like five episodes at least. Um, but I do I'll like try to keep my <laughs> questions now on the shorter side. But before we move into wrapping up the show, just that now we're talking about internal wisdom and just living in alignment with ourselves. What are maybe some good practices for women who are wanting to connect more with their internal wisdom? Do you have some favorite ways that you practice this in your own life? Because I know you both do some of these things. Absolutely. We got lots. Oh my. This is really, you know, as we go, there's so much fascinating physiology and what our body's doing and women are amazing. Right. But but there's an even bigger thing where I see this routinely on the Dutch test where when someone someone has clearly burned themselves out, really depleted, but they have a mission that their brain is on board with, like they know know who they're serving and why. It is amazing to see their DHEA will go up, their cortisol will be compensated for, like all of these things happen. And it, what that has shown me more and more is that we have so much say over our um, experience, but we don't, we kind of don't appreciate it very much because we think our stress and anxiety thoughts come free. But for us to have those thoughts and feelings, those come with actual chemical messengers in the body. So you don't ever get to have those things for free without sending the signal of I'm not safe. So it can go both ways. We can either really help ourselves by being aligned or we can really hurt ourselves by being stressed out and just, you know, our world can look great, but on the inside it's tumultuous. That determines a lot of what it is. So with that really long (laughs) introduction to what it is, but um, we love accessing our physiology through ways of interacting from the top down. So if all of this physical stuff that we've been talking about is actually body up to the brain, now we want to say, what are we impacting from the brain down to the body? And this is where meditation and journaling are some of our very, very favorites because we're basically trying to figure out for all of us at any time, what is our subconscious beliefs? You know, how can we get access them and how can we bring in more aligned new beliefs instead? Because many of us have this, like we're not good enough. We're not pretty enough. Our body's ugly. It doesn't work well. I'm going to be sick forever. We go down these things. And for me, I know I really identified with being a chronic pain person after especially decade, you know, a decade, I really crossed the line into like, this is who I am. And I had to realize for myself, like, whoa, I don't want to be this forever. Like, this is not who I am. I don't know why I'm thinking that, but I only was able to get it out after I was able to quiet my mind enough to access what was unconsciously held beliefs or what were unconsciously held beliefs. So meditation and journaling are some of my favorites. Megan, do you got, you got some other good ones? 
Um, I feel like a different version of meditation or I like, I really like to use the Byron Katie's four questions. Do you know her at all, Meg? Yes. I love Byron Katie. Okay. Yeah. So I'm a huge fan of Byron Katie. So basically the idea just being, um, always just questioning our thoughts because it's basically, she said, all suffering comes from the thoughts. It's not the actual reality. And we'll see that as, you know, perceived stress is one of the main four causes for adrenal dysfunction or HPA axis dysfunction, like out of four things of perceived stress. So that's not even what's happening to you, but how your brain sees what's happening to you. So the cool thing about that, I think, Cause I think some people are like, Oh no, you're telling me stress is bad for my hormones. And like, I have all this stress, but the, but it's, you, it's how you perceive it. Right. So I don't know about you, Meg, but have you ever been next to somebody else in this, you're in the same room, the same events happening. And one of you is like freaking out. This is the end of the world. And another person is just like, huh? it'll be okay. Right. It's, it's just how, what, what story, you know, we have that's, that we're tied into. Um, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I was just traveling a bunch and there was this day where we weren't even on our last flight home yet. We had been in the airport for 13 hours at that point and all the people were just going bananas around us. And this one guy came up to us and was just like, kind of like complaining and just being super negative. And my friend and I, we just kind of started giggling and we're like, yeah, bud, like we've been in the airport for 13 hours. Like we can't really help you here. And he's like, wow. So I should actually stop complaining because you've had like an even longer day than us. And we're like, whatever, like do whatever you want, but we're not complaining. So it's definitely how you perceive things, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, I even saw my Dutch test kind of before and after in residency when um, when I was doing my anesthesia residency, we had um, a level one trauma center open up in at, at my hospital. And so my my last year was um, much more stressful and emotionally you know, it's the south side of Chicago. So you can imagine the type of traumas that come in and um but my Dutch test actually improved, right? So you could say by all outside metrics, my life was worse. My hours were way worse. My daily stress was much higher. The acuity of patients I was taking care of was much sicker. Like on the outside, it appeared that I should be getting worse, but my Dutch test actually improved and my ovarian function was improving. So it really does go to say that we have so much more control over it, but it's hard. It's a lot easier to blame like your bad health on just genetics rather than what's happening. You have to take responsibility for that. And Megan and I are always like, oh, I really wish I could be annoyed at this person, but it really does come down to like what I think about it. And it's kind of annoying, but it's a lot more empowering. Well, Alex, you were also the person who was meditating in between in your call room and doing everything you could to counteract like the constant. It's true. It's true. It didn't come free, but it's, it is true that those actions, it's funny how those felt like very natural extensions of, it didn't feel like work to do those. They were just kind of the natural alignment of where I was. Um, and that's, I actually haven't thought of it that way, um, Meg, before, but that's really cool that you brought that up. 
Yeah. And Meg, Alex has really taught me about understanding, and obviously we don't have time to get into it today, but understanding like what's happening in your brain at each phase of the cycle. And so I think that um, she's, Alex, I say, you know, like she's been using this for a long time. And I feel like I'm really just coming to be like, oh, I get it. Like, this is exactly what is happening when, but it's, it's been so helpful to, you know, when I have a crazy thought, when I have some irrational fear, when I have something going on, I'll go look at my cycle and I'll say, okay, well, here's what's going on inside the body. This is, this is kind of what my brain's trying to do. Um, and if I can give it something else to do, right? Like, so for example, when you have your period is a great time to actually sit, have some quiet time by yourself to do some meditation because you're, you're the hemis- both hemispheres of your brains are really interconnected. So you can have these amazing like aha moments from all the thing you've learned, things you've learned in the last you know cycle or longer, obviously. But um, things come together, kind of your analytical side and your more intuitive side. So knowing that, I never and, and I was a really hard convert to, to to get into journaling and meditating. I'm still I still do really struggle with it, but I don't miss those days because I'm like, oh yeah, these are the days I'm gonna have something really good come through. So I like always set aside the time. So even just using my cycle in that way, when I want to be doing the habit every day, it just maybe I haven't gotten there yet, and I'm like, okay, at least I'll we'll do it during these really optimal days. Totally. And when someone, if you're totally new to this and you're like, well, cool, I really do want to do this. It's fascinating. Like Megan was saying, you know, during that time when the hemispheres are interconnected like that, if you don't direct your brain, what will happen? And you'll know exactly. Once I say this, you're going to be like, oh my God, I've done that like every single month. But it's basically those days that you have that you wake up, you're like, I hate my hair. I hate my clothes. I don't like how my skin looks. My my car needs a car wash. My house is dirty. The kids look like a mess. Like I'm dropping the ball on five different years, right? Like, have you not raised your hand? I know I can't see you, but like (laughs) raise your hand if you've been there. And what, what that is doing is that in the interconnectedness of your brain is basically going through and finding things to work on. And if you don't direct it to an aligned place and say, what, let me use this time to prioritize prioritize so my brain knows exactly what to work on rather than nitpicking everything in my environment. Well, then that's a lot more empowered than the experience we all have, which is you hate everything and you kind of just spend your day being like, today sucks, which is not what I mean, imagine having instead of that day, contrast it with the day where you're like, yeah, I set aside 30 minutes. I got my top three priorities for the cycle, what I'm working on. I'm really clear. I don't need to worry about the other stuff. Imagine what that day is like in comparison to that nitpicky day. So that's what we really want you to do. And so we did a, um, a Instagram series. It was a mini series of four posts. So when you go to our page, you can see kind of there are images that say what your brain will try to tell you. And there's kind of a phrase that we have and then how to flip it around. So make sure you come check that out. If you're kind of listening along being like, Oh my God, this makes so much sense. Yeah, I know Megan. I'm so happy you brought this up because I was actually going to ask Alice, Alex about this because I always see you kind of like make comments about this on your Instagram stories. Like, Oh, I'm thinking this today, but that totally makes sense because I'm in my second half of my, or my second phase of my cycle. So I was going to bring this up. So that's awesome. But 
like I said, you two have so many resources that we can direct our ladies to today. So you have a podcast, you have your Instagram account, and also this incredible hormones program that you're offering. And I'm actually doing a bonus video in there. So I'm super pumped about that. But can you talk more about your offerings just so we can send these ladies over there? Absolutely, Meg. So the program that Meg is doing, um, we added three mindset calls to our three-month Healthy Hormones group program. So that program, um, we run about three, maybe four times a year. And that's a that's a 12-week long program. So the next one will be uh, mid-January for people interested. And that's a bigger commitment. We're actually doing the Dutch and the neurotransmitter testing. So um, that's something if you're interested to come look at ahead of time and really start to understand what's involved. But for people who are ready to just kind of start to understand what what's going on with our cycle, how to track it, what these phases mean, what to do in each phase, what's an elixir for each phase, what's a protein ball for each phase, what's a mantra for each phase, what's a meditation. We have that spelled out in a program called the PMS Project. So that's a 28-day program for people... um, that's um, you know more of a do-it-yourself. You're going to follow along on your own cycle and you're going to implement one... Like we said, we always say one to two things each week. You're going to start here and you're going to move through your cycle. And this is something you can continuously use over and over and over and keep adding new things each cycle, keep upgrading each cycle, whether it's food or whether it's mindset, but just which, whichever thing's kind of calling you first, you'll start there and then and then flow through. And, and that's just, you know we have a private Facebook group and for that for supporting that. And we have a lot of lovely ladies who've seen you know it's called the PMS Project, and I we kind of struggled with the name a bit because I've never my personal journey hasn't been like classic PMS. I would never sign up for the PMS Project, although. I use everything in it just to like optimize productivity to, you know, just so it's, it doesn't have to be that you have classic PMS symptoms. It's really teaching you to um, use your cycle to your advantage and kind of figure out when to do what. Yeah. And then we also have for anyone who's like, all right, that's cool. Let me just dab my, dip my toes into the water. We got our podcast. It's called the four phase cycle podcast. We got lots and lots of episodes, but the best place to start is season one, episode one, because um, our first season is an entire podcast where if you dug the information here, it's going to take you step by step. It's 24 classes that will take you and give you everything you need to understand about your cycle. And then the rest of our podcast builds from there. And then you can also come follow us at, we mostly hang out over on the Instagrams and <laughs> with Meg here. Um, and so we're at zesty underscore ginger for that. And lots of stuff there. Our website is zestyginger.com. We also have a blog. We are a little, mostly because of me, but a little bit ridiculous in the amount of content we have. But really, it's for anyone. We just want to provide you all the resources. So if you're a reading person, we got a blog. If you're a listening person, we got a podcast. If you're a social media person coming out with us, we got you covered. 
Amazing. Okay, we will link all of that stuff up in the show notes. And before I let you ladies go, I do have one more question that I ask all of my guests. So I can't let you go without asking this. So each of you have to answer this. And it is, what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? Ooh, okay. That's a really good one. Also, do you remember that movie back in the day with, what was it, Bruce Willis and, and uh, Samuel Jackson when he, he like can't, he can't be hurt, you know, in the... <laughs> I feel like I kind of know what you're talking about. I feel like you're gonna, if you're gonna name it, I feel like you gotta, you're gonna have to watch it. Cause then they made another movie where it's like the opposite, where the person like breaks everything. Anyways, it's ridiculous, but worth, (laughs) worth a movie. (laughs) Maybe I should Google it right Um, now. What it means to be unstoppable, unbreakable. So for me, it really has been an emotional thing. Um, So it was, probably the most powerful realization besides maybe, you know, the realization of who am I, um, to recognize that there is no feeling that I can't handle and that there's no feeling that I can't feel. And when I realized that I really was kind of unbreakable because there's no way that someone can make me feel or that I can make myself feel that I then can't handle or deal with. And that makes me feel pretty badass. Yeah, you are badass. Love it. (laughs) I'd say mine is very similar, but it includes um, the understanding, especially after I kind of went through um, purchasing a home that was filled with mold and mold toxicity in our house, is that the idea that there is always, um, that our bodies are insanely, supportive and they can handle so much more than we think. So that no matter what the problem, whether it's outside and physical like that, or whether it's like your thoughts or your emotions, that there is always a solution and that there's always people who have been through this and come out the other side. So it's like, no matter what happens, we keep coming out the other side. So like Alex said, just, um, continuing to find the next solution, find the next, like the next support system, I think has been our biggest key to feeling unbreakable. Amazing. Thank you so much, ladies. Honestly, you will be on this show again. That was wonderful. 